stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited. Hi, I'm Wade Cleveland with Ignited the Podcast, and we're doing a special female founders series. And for that, I have brought on a co-host, Amanda Langley. Amanda, welcome to Ignited the Podcast. Thank you, Wade. You might not be able to get rid of me. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about Super Yachts East Coast. Yeah, so my husband and I, Adam, we own Super Yacht East Coast, which is our marine tourism brand for the province. So we work with the destination marketing organizations in the province and a partner um, Four Points Marina in Portland, Maine. And we concentrate on building marine tourism opportunities and dynamic waterfronts. We've got a remarkable story for you today. We're joined by Sheena Russell of Made with Local, a company that produces energy slash protein bars. Sheena started Made with Local with a friend back in 2012, hand-making the bars and selling them at a local farmer's market. Well, since then, Made with Local has grown into a snack brand available in thousands of locations across Canada and the U.S. Through all of that, they've remained true to their name. Made with Local is dedicated to making their snacks with real, locally sourced, nourishing ingredients. Sheena, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Your first podcast over over Zoom, so this is exciting. To be honest with you, Amanda's really excited anyway because she's a huge fan. I'm a girl fan. Yeah, of your stuff. I want to start off just by kind of getting you to tell a little bit the story of how this all came to be because it's, it's kind of an amazing story about how you put this all together. Absolutely. So we uh, originally began as a little farmer's market table back in 2012. So at the time, uh, my friend and I, Kathy, she's a original co-founder in the business. We were gym buddies and co-workers working for the city of Halifax and, uh, you know, pre-having kids and we had lots and lots of spare time (laughs) and had like a really flippant and just like casual chat one day about wouldn't it be cool if we started, you know, a little side hustle together or a little farmer's market table. We were both really um, into fitness and into eating food that tasted really, really good. You know, they were people that were food loving people and realized that there weren't that many options out there that were both, you know, nutritious, nourishing snacks that also tasted really, really good. Um, Because in 2012, the protein slash energy bar landscape was bleak. Very different different space. So honestly, like the genesis of the idea was like a little coffee chat, like just for fun. And then, you know, the magic of having a co-founder is that you kind of keep each other accountable in those early weeks and months, right? You're like, all right, well, you know, I'm accountable to this other person with this idea and they seem excited about it too. And it just started to kind of snowball into this bigger concept of, you know, the early, the early concept of what Made With Local was in those days. It's been a really fun story to watch because I I knew you started at a farmer's market. I wasn't sure if you'd had babies yet or not. Um, and then to see you grow and you get into all of these retail spaces and you're awesome on social media. You have a great story and you share it. So it's been fun to watch you grow. I know that there's probably so much you can share about that journey. But um, I guess let's start with Kathy is no longer involved then. Yes, yes. So pretty early on in the business, um, Kathy became pregnant with her first baby. And that was kind of a natural point for um, you know her to decide what 
or new priorities in life, of course, and for me to decide to like lean into this business a bit more heavily. So that was sort of like a natural juncture, but we're, we're still friends and, and absolutely stay in touch. And so your husband's involved now. Yes. <laughs> it's a family business now. It sure is. You live and breathe it. Yes. To a fault. So, <laughs> so the last, um, you've really scaled now. So why don't we talk about first up, how, what kind of was the path from farmer's market to where you are now? Yeah. So we definitely have, I would say like a long, slow build between 2012 and 2017 or 2018-ish. So for five years, um, we really were, you know, in the earliest days, very much this like scrappy little side hustle farmer's market thing. And then I became pregnant with my daughter in 2014 and she was born. Um, and I decided at that time, okay, you know what? I'm going to make a go of this thing. It's like a solopreneur. And uh, at that point was able to grow into, um, you know, having a really rudimentary little online shop and going into cafes and smaller retail stores here in um, the Maritimes mostly. And it was in about 2016 that we hired our first employee, Christine Grace, who's still our, she's our senior director of sales, um, you know, this many years later, geez, Christine's been with the company, yeah, since 2016. So um, it was then that it started to feel real, you know, it's like, okay, we've now we've got this, this team and this um, vision for, for growth really, and the ability to grow because, you know, when it's just you, um, you run out of hours in the day, especially with a baby at home pretty quickly. And behind the scenes made with local in those early years uh, was powered by this very innovative manufacturing model, which was that we partnered with local social enterprise bakeries to make all of our foods for us. And that social enterprise here in Nova Scotia was, is called the Flower Cart Group. They're an amazing organization based out of New Minus. And in partnership with them, we moved our manufacturing into this tiny little kitchen that they had, like literally about 350 square feet. And we just started making bars and we kept selling them and telling the story and gaining that traction and, and very, you know, I would say we're very grateful for many, many long stretches of the business. Um, we're propelled by this sort of pull into the market. The demand always seemed to exceed our, our production capacity, which the flip side of that is that we've constantly had capacity constraints in this business. So that's the shadow side of that success. <laughs> that's a good problem to have. It is. It is to a point. Um, but when you start doing business like we did in 2018, 2019 with, you know, the bigger grocers of the of the country, Loblaws and Sobeys, you know, they have less patience for um, delayed orders and out of stocks and those sort of things. So the good problem to have, which was that we always, you know, seemed to not be able to catch up with the, with the growth of the brand, um, started to become like a problem that we really needed to solve around that time. And just recently you got into Costco's. Yes. Oh my goodness. So Andrew joined the company, my husband in 2019. And then, so it was me and him and Christine, we were, uh, you know, a three people strong company at that point. And that was when, okay, you know, both mine and Andrew's like, this is truly a family business now. Like we gotta, we gotta hustle. <laughs> real. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. it's real. It's very real. Um, so in 2019, we launched nationally with SOBs and Loblaws. And then early in the in the COVID times, which feel like ancient history at this point somehow, um, we we first started doing business with Costco with our granola bar mix. So not our real food bars that we're best known for, but a baking mix. Because if everybody remembers in early COVID days, you know, everybody was a sourdough expert and a banana bread expert. Um, and less people were 
grabbing and going, um, which is very much what bars are meant for, right? Uh, so we pitched this jumbo size of our granola bar mix to uh, Costco. They loved it. And that was our first big Costco launch back um, in 2020. And fast forwarding on the top of Costco um, in 2022, we did our first real food bar launch with them uh, in Eastern Canada. And it was as Costco always is an astronomical amount of work and a really exciting channel to, uh, to find yourself in. Let's go back a little bit. I loved the concept right from the very start, but how did you actually develop these recipes and put them together so that they worked and how long and involved was that process? It had to be, there had to be a lot to it. I would say attention to detail and patience are not my strongest virtues. So we in the early days were like really um, focused on finding like a foundational recipe or creating a foundational recipe that felt like it was marketable or that makes it sound kind of cold, but that we knew people would love. It was delicious, right? And it hit the macros we wanted it to hit. And most importantly, or what governed that formulation, those early recipes, was that we committed, we put these guardrails up for ourselves to challenge ourselves to source as many of these ingredients from local farmers and food producers as we possibly could. It's kind of like, you know, in those like cooking shows where they give the chefs the black box and they just have to make something with whatever's in the black box. People <laughs> are like, here's our oats that we have to use. Here's the nut butter that we have to use. Like, what can we come up with? Yeah. So I think that was really helpful. Um, it's funny. I've never actually thought of it that way before. Uh, that's, a, that's a new new uh, metaphor, but it's truly, that's what it was like. So we knew that we were going to sweeten with honey because the only, well, maple syrup and honey are the only liquid sweeteners that you can find farmed locally. And maple syrup's too watery to use in a bar. Um, you know, we knew we were going to use blueberries. We knew we were going to use certain nut butters from a small supplier here um, that, that was called Nutsmith Foods in Windsor. So we had this black box of ingredients and we started researching, you know, recipes on, on the internet, essentially, that use these ingredients and riffed on those and iterated and iterated and then eventually brought, I think we had four flavors that we first started bringing to the farmer's market at that time using Nova Scotia apples, Haskat berries, blueberries, cranberries, um, Just Us dark chocolate, which is obviously uh, Just Us is an amazing co-op based in the Annapolis Valley. So we just, um, yeah, we brought those to market and, and then immediately started listening really, really closely to what our customers were saying and what flavors they liked the best and which ones they didn't. And we spent two full years, you know, three feet across a table from hundreds of customers every weekend. And we just soaked up every piece of feedback that we could to oh, then... The best source of market yeah. research you can get. Not 100%. That's what I say all the time. It's like the pun is like too good because like farmers market research is the best market research as a small food founder that you can possibly get because you're just there hearing it, seeing it, seeing the way that people interact with your product, seeing how they they react to your pricing sign. Like you're just, you know, it's, it's the best way to, to, I think, quickly build a product that is exactly what your customers are asking you for. Okay. So at the point where you decide, okay, this is real, this is more or has the potential to be a whole lot more than just a, a farmer's market uh, sale. There, there's a difference between being a farmer's market entrepreneur and being what you are now. And the first thing that comes to mind is is packaging and how you make that work. I've run into that with, with other businesses that I've spoken to before, is that all of a sudden your package not only has to look good, it has to be practical. How do you, do you tackle those kind of issues? Because that there's can be a lot to that. 
Yeah. Well, luckily, you know, we're in a category where there many have come before us, right? So there was there was a, a standard expectation for how you package a bar, um, whether it be a hand-packed bar pouch, which is currently what we still use, and then you go to a flow wrapper, which is a piece of equipment when that's a, that's a different type of format. But, you know, that that is established mostly for, for products like mine. But uh, I will tell you that we've had several different art, artistic or branding designs that um, weren't functional <laughs> at all. Um, we've done many iterations of the look and feel of Made With Local since 2012. I think probably we're probably on pace right now every two years to kind of refresh the packaging to, you know, some extent or another. Um, and there have been versions that didn't do its job uh, for sure. And then you you have to learn it. You have to learn it the hard way. And and the first people that are going to tell you that are customers. Most recently, you know, even so we did do a huge brand refresh in 2022. Like we're essentially unrecognizable from the previous brand that we, the, the brand identity that we had for many years. I love it. I love how we look now. It just feels like the truest representation of our values and our energy and our products. And all that said, that Costco launch um, that we were just chatting about, you know, the packaging that we put out into the market in that in that wide of a uh, an audience, Costco's the biggest audience you can pretty much speak to. And we immediately started getting feedback, people saying, well, you know, you've got this bar in here called Coconut in the Dark, which is one of our flavors names. And I pulled it open and it doesn't have like the bar is not dark, you know, it's, where's the dark? So we started getting all of these emails, even this now 10 years into this business, if you if you're broadcasting yourself to a wide enough audience, the market and those people are going to come to you and tell you what's wrong with your packaging design. <laughs> so we're still like you're constantly you're constantly learning, and um, and we you know we're we're pivoting on that. We had to redesign the box. Like it's you would think that we would. Um, I mean, I guess you never really like fully arrive at a perfect launch every time, but. It was really interesting to start getting that feedback from new customers who weren't familiar with the brand being like, what the heck? What are you talking about? It's almost like stirring over in a way because you're really infiltrating something that is huge, brand new. You said it, introducing your product to people who have maybe never heard of it because you started out kind of in the health food store, small cafe world where you can kind of get into that business and people it's word of mouth and they're used to it but when you go on a large scale like Costco you're getting the people who see it by chance and maybe grab it 100% and one thing that does not translate small brand health food store indie natural products yeah. to Costco is like cutesy branding names or like cheeky branding like it doesn't work at Costco, you need to just be so to the point. You need to be so direct with like exactly what you're offering to that customer. You need to have big blown up packaging or like product shots of like the naked product of what it actually looks like. It's like, it's such a competitive space and and you need to be very direct with exactly what you're doing. So that's a really good example of where this bar name, which was named eons ago at this point, with honestly, I agree, it's a nonsensical name. <laughs> It hasn't given us any trouble up until now, but broadcasting it out into that space with Costco and all those new ears and new eyes, they were just like, no, this is stupid. This doesn't make any sense. As, as un, uncute as it is, you know, we're just going to change the name of that, that bar to coconut chocolate chip because that's what it is. And that is not going to confuse anybody. And it's one of those sort of ego check almost things where you're like, oh, I'm going to create this brand that's like really cute and cheeky. 
And it's not about me as a founder. It's not about you as a brand in that way. It's like about, it's about your customer. And if your customer doesn't understand it or feels alienated by you trying to like make a weird joke on your packaging, then it doesn't, it's not, doesn't make any sense. I, I love that you're taking it in that way. Like it, every day is a learning experience because it would be easy to kind of get discouraged when you hear that, especially after, you know, kind of feeling like you went through all of that already right. and you were at a different place. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's still lots of discouragement. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I want to tell you about our Igniting Women in Business series at Ignite, providing rural women entrepreneurs an opportunity to connect, learn, and build their network through a series of initiatives, including a speaker series, gala, and retreat. We hope to inspire and empower rural women in business across the province. The theme is relearning through a women's lens. The sessions offer a space for women to discuss challenges that are faced by rural women in entrepreneurship, with opportunities to learn, network, and socialize. For more information on Igniting Women in Business and to sign up for our events newsletter, visit igniteatlantic.com. Talk a little bit about getting into these stores. I'm sure that there's somebody who's listening to this right now who maybe has a product and are thinking, you can do that? How, How does one decide to do that? And how fearless, in in my opinion, is that to just go, I don't know, knock on somebody's door. Hello, Sobeys, we've got a product and we think you'd love it. Uh, mm. How did that process kind of play out? For us, we were, again, really fortunate, whatever word you want to put in there. Um, we worked our butts off to get to that point, but we were, we were experiencing a really, like I mentioned, strong pull from the market. So we knew that there was demand. People were asking us, when is your product going into Sobeys? Like that. Again, this is a theme that we're talking about here today. I didn't know this is going to come up, but it keeps coming up, is that we were listening to our customers who kept asking us, when are you going to be in, in Sobeys or when are you going to be in Pete's, for example, um, which is obviously like a, a big health food store and natural grocery here in Halifax. And that gave us the, um, I don't know, confidence and also some some proof, some social proof to bring to uh, Sobeys at that point, and they still do run this local program where you can pile it into a small group of stores just to kind of see how it feels and works, kind of get your feet wet. Um, and because we could bring that chatter, you know, we'd take screenshots of DMs that people sent us on Facebook or, um, you know, we, we were able to bring to them proof that people were looking for us in their stores. And they took a chance on us launching into actually the first product we ever launched into Sobeys was our loaded oats, which we don't currently make. We're relaunching it this year. Um, a little teaser for everybody listening to this podcast. Uh, but we had a product called loaded oats, which was a instant oatmeal and uh, nice long shelf life. So like low risk product, uh, and that did quite well. So they already knew us. And then the bars came along, we were able to get our shelf life to a point where we could be on like a shelf stable um, display and pitched all the features and benefits and that there was enough love for our foods out there in the world. Um, and that there was a strong brand built behind this product already, which is an important piece of the puzzle. And, uh, and yeah, they, they took a chance on us in those first 17 stores in Halifax, then we had to prove it out. So there's a really common phrase in grocery or I'm sure any type of retail is that it's easy to get on the shelf, way harder to get off the shelf. Meaning it's one thing to sell into a Sobe store, but then you have to get, you know, 40 people a month to come and buy your bars or whatever the number is. You need that many people to then come and start pulling these things through and buying them which is way harder than convincing one buyer just to put them on the shelf. It takes it out of your hands too, because you're not solely responsible for marketing that all of a sudden. 
it's in flyers and it's it's you know it's them taking a bit of that responsibility which is scary in itself one thing that i will urge and I, this is really like unsexy advice and it's really really hard to self-reflect on this when you're a founder who's passionate about this thing that you're bringing to the world. But you need to be really, really sure that there's enough of your target audience, which whom you should be very closely understanding who they are, to justify this product going into a Sobeys or a Loblaws, for example. There needs to be, you know, in tech, it's product market fit. So if you're making a certain type of beverage or a snack, you know, that especially if it's fairly niche, you need to make sure that there's going to be enough of those niche customers to come and champion your brand and buy it every single day at these big grocers. Um, because if there's not, you know, it, it was it was too soon and you need to spend more time building awareness, sampling, working more kind of in a grassroots way to build up awareness for your brand, because it's a big, big jump from the farmer's market on Saturdays to, you know, dozens of grocery stores. So that's a good segue for there is and even more so than when you started so much choice in mm-hmm. in every aisle. How does Made with Local stand out? Like what if you had to give your elevator pitch and say this is what makes us different? Obviously it's incorporating local ingredients, but mm-hmm. what else? That it has to taste good. I don't care what you're making. I don't care I don't care what it is. Nobody cares what it is if it doesn't taste good. It's not it's not going to win. Um, and that is like the number one thing. So that has been a core tenant of Made With Local since day one is like these things have to taste amazing. That's that's step one. And also there's this for us really strong connection to our bars tasting amazing because they're sourced with the most high quality ingredients we can get our hands on. And we're obsessive about sourcing the most um, sustainable and you know locally and ethically sourced super high quality ingredients. And that translates through into a much more superior product to our competitors. So those two things go hand in hand. It's the taste and the texture and the sensory experience of a made with local bar being as excellent as it is because of our commitment to sustainability and local and transparent sourcing. So also, you know, in the bar category, especially, oh my God, you know, you go into a superstore now or a Sobeys. In the whole aisle. There's an entire aisle. There's literally hundreds of boxes of bars for you to choose from. But I will say, you know, they're all competing on lots of them, singular nutrition points. So this one has zero sugar. This one has 20 grams of protein. Oh, this one has 21 grams of protein. Well, this one has 23 grams of protein. Like it's these very um, just, yeah, singular things. One little nutrition fact that you're trying to loop in enough customers to care about your food. And we're just working at such a different level than that. We're working at like macro level sustainability, local food systems, um, community connection, food advocacy. Like we're just, you know, like a lot of people are kind of playing down here and we're, um, our vision for our brand is to be operating at a much higher level than just you know, fighting over protein counts <laughs> and sugar grams and those sort of things. So I think we're a bit ahead of our time Honestly, not in a bad way, um, but in the way that if you look again at the bar section, Made With Local is the only brand that can speak to whole food nutrition, sustainability, and um, and 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 you know being being nourishing for your body all at once. Um, nobody else is is playing at that level. I love that. Let's talk a little bit about something you alluded to a while ago, and starting off with a with a social enterprise to help kind of put everything together. It's not the first time I've heard that either. 
But you did talk a little bit about how difficult it's been to kind of keep the flow going because, you know, demand is high and how do you keep up with that? I guess my question is, how do you keep up with that? When those problems kind of rear the ugly head, what happened? Where did you go to from there? Yeah. So we, the journey for us for manufacturing, again, started with the flower cart group in 2014. Prior to that at the farmer's market table, we were doing it ourselves. Um, and then over the course of several years, the flower cart group, we built capacity within their footprint, within their space. They were able to hire more people um, and and expand their, their kitchen. We invested in that with them and we worked very, very closely with their team to, um, to build internal capabilities. When they sort of hit a certain ceiling, you know, we'd invest in some equipment. We just kind of kept trying to break through these capacity blocks. And then at a certain point, we essentially created, you know, the most efficient bakery we possibly could within the confines of their space. And then the second social enterprise bakery came on for us in 2020 out of Toronto. So a really interesting social enterprise model there, an organization called Out of the Box Packaging in North York. And then they started making bars for us too. So then we were running two social enterprise bakeries, um, one here in Nova Scotia and one in Ontario. And uh, we scaled them as well up to making, they were making up until this fall about 30,000 bars a week for us. And the flower cart group here in Nova Scotia was making about eight or 9,000 bars a week. So total of about 40,000 bars a week um, that we were pumping out between those two facilities, which at that point got us to a scale where we said, okay, you know what, if we can maintain this growth, there is a real opportunity here for us to take this manufacturing in-house and make that investment. Um, And so we did. So in fall of 2021, we got a phone call from Dave Browning, who ran for many years a little peanut butter factory in Windsor that we used to get our nut butters from called Yum Bakery Bakery and Nutsmith. And uh, Dave and Connie, the owners of that business, wanted to retire. And they said, we've got this 8,000 square foot facility in downtown Windsor. Have you guys ever thought of doing your own thing? And we were like, well, maybe. So we went down. I mean, I'd been there many times because they were a supplier of ours and we had to walk around and, you know, the building needed a lot of love, but we decided to make a go of it. So we bought the building in downtown Windsor and spent the next like nine months gutting it and building it into what we have now as like a world-class manufacturing facility right in the heart of downtown Windsor. Um, So now we run all of our manufacturing under our own team. We have like the most amazing manufacturing and ops team. How many people do you have working for you? There's eight people down at the Windsor site. And then here I'm, I'm joining you from our little headquarters in downtown Dartmouth. There's currently only three of us here. So we're a team of 11 plus one who's on maternity leave. So 12, 12 strong. <laughs> um, I have a question. There's all sorts of phrases that are out there. Mompreneur, wom- woman and entrepreneur. Do you feel like any of those labels fit you or do you not like those or? Yeah, I tend to not. I don't know. I (laughs) know. I find sometimes there's like this trivializing nature to it. Like I, on the flip side though, like being a mom and being a CEO of a growing company is madness. Like it's insane work. And special kind of madness. It's a special kind of madness. And the only way that it works is me having a partner in business and in life who's like extremely hands-on um, as a husband and a parent. Like there's really, like I don't carry more of my household load than my husband does. And I think that's kind of, I wouldn't say rare, but it's not always the case. 
So where we truly are 50-50 partners with our kids and in our relationship and then, you know, in business, we've got our own roles, but um, that's the only way that it, that, that it would ever work. So I don't use those labels, but if it empowers anyone else, you know, you do you. Do you. Uh, I just don't personally rely on those very often. You just had a, a major win, a huge win with the Costco signing and everything that you're doing. What's next? Because I can tell that there's something next. That you, you seem to be a person uh, and a group that develops moving forward, continuously seem to be moving forward. What's next for Made With Local? Lots. Oh my goodness. We have so much on the go. Um, we recently, like I mentioned, just relaunched our refreshed brand. And yesterday our new website went live. We recently launched on Amazon.ca and .com. We recently launched on Costco.ca, putting a lot of emphasis on the digital growth side because there's just so much low-hanging fruit for us there. We have a couple of new product lines that are coming out in 2023. Um, one that's been in innovation for quite some time, and it's the number one most requested product our customers have been asking us for, which is a like a nut-free, school-safe version of a Made With Local Bar. So those are hopefully going to launch before the end of 2023. And we're raising capital right now as well. So those are some really big projects that, you know, each one is is a doozy. Uh, but we've got, like I mentioned, an amazing team. And we're really focused on just trying to get this round off the ground and close as quickly as possible and get back to the work. I have to say congratulations on what you do. Um, you. It's not just a wonderful rural story about how to build a company. But what you do, you do with such ethics mm -hmm. and a sense of social responsibility that really what you do should be a lesson and an inspiration to everyone. So congratulations. Thank you. And I love how authentic you are. Like in you, even on social media, you're just real. You know what I find, I mentioned just a second ago that we're raising capital and I find that's one of the toughest things for me about talking to investors and being in this space of raising money is that there tends, in my experience, tends to be like a lot of posturing and a lot of stuff going on that seems to not just be people openly talking about what they do and what their intentions are. And I find that really challenging because I'm just like a very open and honest person. And I say, you know, what I speak from the heart and that's not always the way that things feel in those um, sort of environments. So admittedly, thank you for saying that because it means a lot to me, but I, I find that that's has been an interesting sort of uh, learning curve for me as I move in spaces where that's not always welcomed or, or embraced, I should say. <laughs> I think you should stick to it. To find out more about Made With Local, visit their website, madewithlocal.com, and follow them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, for more of their story. To find out more about rural innovation and what Ignite does, check out igniteatlantic.com. Did you like this episode? We'd love it if you subscribed to Ignited, shared us with your friends and gave us a good review. And we'd love to hear from you. Any comments or suggestions about the podcast or who you'd like to hear on it are most welcome. Our website, again, igniteatlantic.com. My email is wade, W-A-D-E, at igniteatlantic.com. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. It has been an absolute blast. We've had so much fun, Wade. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm Wade Cleveland. And I'm Amanda Langley. We'll talk again soon.